Hey friends, it's Jana and Ashley. Welcome back to season two of the Geek Girls Universe podcast, your home for the latest entertainment and fandom news. Hey friends, welcome back to the Weekly Bugle. It was a week without WandaVision. Well, sort of. So whatever did we do with our lives? Well, we watched Assembled, the making of WandaVision, laughed as Winona Earp kicked some demon butt, and screened the first episode of a show you might know about. Maybe. And if you're new here or haven't already, we would love it if you left us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, wherever you're listening from. It helps our podcast reach other geeks and the more the geekier, right? We also have a Facebook group, Geek Girls Universe. If you want to talk more nerd with us on the daily, you don't need to be a girl to join, only a geek. First, let's talk about Assembled, the making of WandaVision. So I just watched this last night, but Jana had already watched it, and it was awesome. I loved it. I loved it. Like, I I geeked out. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, you know, for me, this is one of the reasons I love, like, when we would go on, like, set visits and stuff is like, and I think it might just be the theater nerd in me, but I Uh, love the behind the scenes. (laughs) Yes. Same. I love learning how things are made. Um, when I was a kid, I would spend hours in like my dad's studio or his electronic shop, just like watching and seeing how things are done. Like, right. Just even watching like a print be developed, I thought was like magical. There's mm-hmm. nothing on the paper. And two minutes later, there's a photograph. So I've always just kind of loved that the magic of how things are made. And so watching this, I just thought was really intriguing. And I think like one of the things that really stood out to me was, and, and again, this is like one of those things and maybe I just knew it because my dad was a photographer, but like, I knew that certain colors don't translate well to black and white. And so Mm -hmm. there are certain things that you do. Right. So like, I know, you know, blue is something that just, it translates well to black and white depending on the shade that you're using, right? So like they painted the kitchen blue. That wasn't surprising to me at all. But my daughter kind of chuckled and she was like, I would have had no idea that was blue. And I was like, well, what color did you think it was? And she's like, I don't know, white, gray, like brown. Like she just had no (laughs) idea. Um, But I kind of knew it was probably a blue toned kitchen just because of how it translated. Mm-hmm. What I didn't know and hadn't really thought of was the fact that they had to change vision because he's red. And it makes sense because the red is so dark on black and white. But it just didn't, it wasn't something that occurred to me. And so that was fascinating to hear them talk about the whole like, oh yeah, we did a screen test and it was, you know, it just didn't work. And then all the different shades of sort of blue purple that they played with to get the mm-hmm. right shade that worked for him to then, you know, do the CGI. And I thought, wow, what a really fun extra layer to add into the whole, like, you're not just filming a sitcom and a, a you know, period era sitcom. <laughs> you have to do this whole like extra level of CGI to go with your sitcom, which is just Right. Almost this juxtaposition that sounds, I mean, it's crazy, right? Like you're like, oh, we're doing like 2020s video technology on a 50s sitcom. It just, it's, it's uncanny. Um, And it was just such a strange thing to kind of watch. I didn't realize how much, 
I guess I guess I just never thought about it. How much they CGI his head? Because yeah. like I know I've seen the behind the scenes where he's got the the motion capture dots and the CGI dots and such. I guess I just thought that they only did like the ears maybe or the the top of his head, but no, there's a lot to Vision's um appearance on screen that I had no idea like what went into it. And kudos to Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany, because when you see the behind the scenes of what she's actually looking at, you know, to have to be serious with something like that, I just, I think I would laugh. <laughs> I would too. I would just laugh in like indefinitely. Like, how do you, how do you act with smirk? <laughs> exactly. A smirk with white dots on his face. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So kudos to her, seriously, because <laughs> um, that was hilarious. And I kind of loved hearing her talk about, um, you know, her theater school experience where they, they teach you things like, you know, film noir and overacting too, and overacting. (laughs) Yeah. And things that like, you know, typically you, you won't ever really have an opportunity to do. And she was just like, wow, really excited about being able to kind of flex this muscle of something that like, she knows she learned all those years ago, but mm-hmm. never had an opportunity to use. And clearly she should have been using them because she is fantastic. Yes. Uh, with it. And she, the, it was superb. I loved it. Head visual effects guy. He, um, got his start doing, um, physical effects. So, mm-hmm you know, doing all the things with like the wires and whatnot to make the, you know, food fly across the kitchen and, you know, the recipe cards hanging in the air and whatnot. I just, I was like, oh, that's so much fun. And I was like, and it is very theatrical, right? Yes. And then I always love watching anything with wires just from having been in the theater and whatnot. So I think, I think harnesses are like the most fun thing ever. Super scary the first time you use one, but like, super duper fun at the same Mm -hmm. time and technically challenging and so then like when she was talking you know she elizabeth olsen was talking about the the sort of challenges and difficulty behind not just navigating like one person flying but multiple people flying in the same scene and then like yeah um katherine hans you know fantastic agatha harkness's um hero costume and i was just like oh and mm-hmm. just imagining, oh, so it was amazing. It's like you kind of watch that and you're like, wow. It was very informative. I would say it's definitely a must watch if you don't mind seeing a peek behind the magic. Um, it's like I said, I'm a theater nerd too. I enjoyed it. It made me miss being on stage, to be honest. It also made me miss yeah. those set visits. So, oh, uh, so much. So. <laughs> I. I just, I miss it. I miss all of it. Um, but I will say one of the things that I laughed at the most that was not his face was the fact that like the ladies in the fifties and sixties had to wear those very uncomfortable outfits. I know Deborah Jo Rupp, she said she likes the fifties clothes cause it gives her a waist. She's like, I don't have limbs cause I'm really short, but I have a waist and it's like, it improves your posture because it makes you stand up straight. But Paul Bettany had to wear a fake bottom, which is hysterical because I just like imagine like Ken, like a Ken doll, <laughs> like plastic You've seen in like the underwear stores, right? Where it's like they have a. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> it is. It's like underwear with like bottom cushion <laughs> built in. And they do. They have them to go with like costumes, like for dresses and stuff when you need whatever. It just cracked me up. I thought that was hysterical. And I just, I was, I don't know if the purpose was so he would also be equally sitting a certain way um, like the ladies had to, or if it's because he wanted to feel the pain of a corset in a different way. <laughs> but it's hilarious, really. <laughs> well, I was trying to figure out because he mentioned it forced him to kind of like stand up a little straighter, but I also kind of wondered if it was more of a um, way to make his real person look like the vision, like the physicality, because vision's very like, I mean, he's still tall and not lanky, but he's muscular. Right. Um, whereas Paul Bettany is not, I mean, I, I don't know what Paul Bettany looks like naked. Let me get that. Like, let me put that out there. <laughs> I, I can go Google pictures. I was like, I don't know. Is he muscular? But he, he's pretty lanky, right? So like, I, he doesn't strike me as somebody who probably has a big butt naturally. Like he is not packing a lot of junk in the trunk. So I imagine the butt was more to like fill out like that kind of style of pants or whatever to make him look physically more like the vision in a human form, if that makes sense. I mean, maybe. I actually thought he was pretty muscular for the the role. I know that he was joking that he couldn't eat certain things during quarantine because he had to be able to fit back in his suit. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe. Maybe he just like drops the muscle when he's not working actively working as the vision i'd also laugh when he said the reason he got the role as jarvis is because john favreau was like we need someone with like an emotionless voice and he's like oh thanks so so much at that (laughs) and then he was like well and somewhere joss whedon thought that i you know should work for a living give it a chance to act again or something (laughs) it's like i'm dead hysterical. I mean, if nothing else, this that hour long um, behind the scenes is worth it just for the laughs. Even if you yes. don't choose to learn anything, you will chuckle because they are all so funny. Yes. And so I, funny. I loved how it lets you kind of catch up with each of the main characters and you got to hear from like yes. Tiana about, um, you know, coming on. She didn't even know what she was auditioning for. She was handed a piece of script and she said it was for the 70s episode. And she was just like, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> She's like, I had no idea what I was auditioning for. And they're like, make it big. Like, come in and do, again, that kind of that overacting that we learn on stage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Randall Park talking about bringing Woo back and how all those little conscious things that they planted in Ant-Man and the Wasp, they got to use like the magic tricks and him telling way yeah. personal stories when nobody asked for them. And... <laughs> Or my personal favorite, you know, the fact that he knows way too much about the Accords and what section things are in. <laughs> so, Which is hysterical. I loved when they, they did the reference to like him telling Cassie. <laughs> oh, yes. When he's like, so your daddy went and colored yeah. on the walls with Captain America in Germany. <laughs> he's like, and that was a violation of the Soviet Accord, whatever, <laughs> you know, yes. number. I was like, wow, dude, you are good with kids, aren't you? Yeah. So, So yeah, it's a must watch. It's streaming now on Disney Plus, and it's a great way to kind of, you know, soothe your soul as you get ready for Falcon and the Winter Soldier that comes out this week. Yes. Yep. Highly recommended. Best watch of the week for sure. Yes. 
well, another awesome watch or one of our favorites. So here's some spoilers. If you're yes. not into Winona Earp or you haven't caught up on the latest episode, you might want to skip ahead to the next section. But we're going to talk <laughs> a little bit about season four. This is one of my favorite shows, and I'm so sad it's ending again, and I want the Erpers to save it again. I, You know, I, part of me, like, part of me really hopes they do save it, and and not, that's not to say that I don't want it saved, but it feels like so, it's, I'm so conflicted every time this happens, right? Because you're just, you sort of resign yourself to the, that this isn't coming back. Right. And then they manage to save it and you're like, yeah. And then you get into the season and you're like, ah, oh, man, this is the last episode again. Like, so there's this like kind of up and down roller coaster of emotions. And so like, as much as I love the show and I want it to come back, I'm also like, I don't know if I can handle another <laughs> emotional roller coaster of like, I guess this is the last one. I have to savor it and I'm done. And then oh, yay, they saved it and it's coming back. Right. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the last time this happened, it was totally unfair of a canceling um, because they had True. said, hey, it's renewed for season four. And then all of a sudden they were like, oh, but we're not going to do it. And so the same thing's happening right now with another show that we watch, Kim's Convenience. Oh. I haven't seen the latest season, and neither have you, because we're in the U.S., so we can't get it yet. But they announced out of nowhere that instead of getting the next two seasons, I believe they were supposed to get two more seasons. Yeah, I think so. It was five and six. Yeah. Or no, six well, and seven. They're on five, so six and yeah. seven. They were supposed to get two more seasons, and then all of a sudden, it's just like, this is going to be the end. And now, like I said, we haven't seen it, but I do know from our friends in Canada, just seeing, you know, Andrew and Paul on Twitter, it's sad because we're not, the fans aren't going to get the resolution that they want because it's right. ending abruptly. And that's what was happening with Winona before, but I don't know if this current season of Winona was made to be the last because they were told, I believe, that they would get at least one more. Right. So again, like that aggravates me more than anything when storylines don't get to be tied up nicely or at least semi-nicely because some well, executive somewhere is like, eh, who cares? Yes. And and so now like we have what, one more episode, right, uh, Friday? I thought there was four or five total and we've seen two. Is there? Yeah, I think oh, they said- Friday was the last episode. Oh, I, that that makes me feel so much better because I was oh my like, gosh, there'd be too much to tie up, like even that's a little what bit. I was, thinking. I was like, oh my goodness, I was like, how is this gonna wrap up? I was like, I am going to die. It's gonna all just be a giant cliffhanger. Oh, that makes me uh, feel so much better. I must just not have. I must have missed that there were more after this. Woo! Yeah, when they came oh, back from the mid, so yeah, when they came back from the mid season break, I believe it was four or five episodes so we've seen two so but i mean there was a big cliffhanger sort of this up ep- this last episode right with the fog that's kind of yes. creeping into town and they don't know how to uh-huh. negate it and it's really bad and and i'm like are they gonna be able to wrap this up for me because i don't think they are like <laughs> i need to know what's going on plus you know i love this show it's definitely girl power there's representation like yes. phenomenal representation in it um, for the LGBTQ plus community. And yep. uh, Tim Rosen is Doc Holiday, So <laughs> it's just, like, duh. Um, 
I love Melanie. I like, I'm obsessed with her. She's hilarious on Twitter as well. <laughs> so she is. Her you character know, is her. <laughs> they're all so good. They are. And like this week, so we were talking kind of about Kim's, Kim's convenience, but um, Kim Chi on Kim's convenience has been a character in season four on Winona Casey. And he was back this week too. And I was so happy to see him because I yes. love him. He's hilarious. He is <laughs> so. fantastic. Andrew Fung, man, it's so great when he's on the screen and he has such a good vibe with this cast. Like I'm, that's again, like I'm so mad. The cast is, has so much chemistry. It's frustrating to think this is the end and that it's possibly not going to be the end that they wanted it to be. Oh, so hashtag bring Winona home. <laughs> hashtag like save Winona. Yes. Five for Winona, I think's the other hashtag. Hashtag five for Winona. We need at least one more season, I feel like. That way so they they know it's gonna be the end this time. It's not gonna be a surprise. So then it's like, okay, we can tell our story and do what we want to do with it. Because there's a lot to be, you know, said in purgatory. Just saying. I will say I laughed pretty hard at the whole Cupid thing. Was it two episodes ago? <laughs> that was yeah, that was two episodes ago. That's yeah. hilarious. I was like, wait, he's Cupid? I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> They're just going to so be funny. ridiculous. I love the, like, what was it, like, the 80s, like, lighting where it was, like, the hair blowing. <laughs> They're all like, oh, so, so excited. <laughs> it was so good, though. It was so. I mean, predictable in parts, right? But, like, just hilarious. Oh, it was, yeah, it was a good time. And then this past week, because it was Halloween. So Halloween and Purgatory, that doesn't sound like it's going to be bad at all, right? But mm, Nope, no. You know, no. What could go wrong with that? Doc was dressed up like Freddie Mercury. Uh, Nona was Britney Spears from Hit Me Baby One More Time. <laughs> it was, she was like, it's Britney, beep. I was like, LOL. <laughs> I love this show so much. It's so funny. Ugh. Anyways, so yeah, why not Earth's on Sci-Fi? Catch up on the previous seasons on Netflix. Save Winona on Twitter. <laughs> Come on, just mm-hmm. one more season, at least, please. Just saying, just just one. I mean, I could do with one. I can live with one. Yeah, I could live with one more if I know ahead of time it's the end, and they know it's the end. And also, let's save Kim's Convenience too while we're at it, because that's a great oh. show please I, it's so good and if you're already like thirsting after simu and shang chi this is where he basically not that he got a start on kim's convenience but that's where people most people know him from so if you want to see simu simu without his shirt on save kim's convenience yeah. just saying. i mean that's where all the shirtless gifts are from so exactly know. except for like one so yeah <laughs> Oh, yeah. And that's from Nora from Queens. So another good show. But yeah, so like our friend Mike would say, save save it for Simu's shirtless gifts. Even <laughs> Sorry, though Mike. he hates shirtless Simu. I'm saying, but he would <laughs> he would deal with it just to save Kim's convenience. I'm sure of it. He would be absolutely I'm gonna would. speak for Mike on that one. He'll forgive me later, I'm sure. He will. Yeah, he will. Let's see. So one of the other things we were watching this week was um, films from, well, actually the last like week and a half, but films from the New York International Children's Film Festival. Yes. Which 
They had some really amazing stuff um, mm-hmm. and so much good stuff. I I mean, I feel like I barely scratched the surface. Um, there were so many sections that I still have not gotten to see, but I still saw a lot and had a lot of favorites. Um, I did like a best of roundup post of the things that I really enjoyed. I have some other reviews that I did and I'm working on some more because man, it takes a long time to write a thoughtful review. I don't know. That's <laughs> so true. Uh, you know, it's funny. Like there are some things I can write and I can just like bang out a post and I'm like, oh, you know, done. And then there are other times where I'm sitting there and I'm like, why? Why have I written 500 words in like an entire day? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. The films that they offered at this were so good. They... They narrow it down to about a hundred films total, which, you know, clearly, which is why we've not watched, you know, anywhere near as many as we would like to, um, out of about 2,500 submissions. Um, you know, and I think that's pretty typical of a lot of film festivals, right? Like they get thousands sometimes of submissions and, and, you know, you can only put in so many. Right. So, but some of the ones that were my favorites... Well, obviously, so like Ryan, the Last Dragon, obviously, uh, closing feature. It was you know sponsored by Disney, uh, obviously. Um, just it's fantastic. Um, they screened it. They did a Q and A with some of the creators and Kelly Marie Tran, who plays Raya. Um, it just oh, such a good movie. The mm-hmm. animation is beautiful. You know, it's it's inclusive. It's southeastern asian culture that was done with a lot of research and a lot of thought and just you know super female empowering i don't know i just i loved it it's a gorgeous Mm -hmm. film i love how uh so with the q a we learned a lot about the film one of which so i knew soul had been edited at home because of the pandemic but the entire raya movie was made at home so like Kelly yeah. was like, hey, this is my closet where I'm recording the vocals. Yes. You know, everybody had to set up at home to do this and that the filmmakers were worried what it was going to look like when they took it from their little computer screens to a giant, you know, theater screen because they didn't have that ability to do, you know, what they normally do on projects. And, you know, you and I, we've been there. We've interviewed animators. We've sat in the theater where they screen projects. So, like, I felt for them as they're telling the story, but it came together beautifully. Like, you would not know that everybody was posted up at home with their babies screaming and their animals going crazy as they're working on this film. It's gorgeous. And one of the guys who worked on it is from the Marvel Studios, and he was saying that he remembered when Black Panther came out, he asked a friend, like, how do you know it's successful? And he said, when white kids want to be you know, these characters. And with Raya, you know, he said, I've heard little boys talking about, oh, I want to be Raya. My son, he loves Sisu. Like, he's obsessed. Mm -hmm. He's like, I know I'm a boy, but like, can I be Sisu? And I'm like, of course you can be Sisu if you want to be Sisu. So it's like, not only are, you know, we're we're not Asian, but other races want to be Raya. Like all genders want to be Raya. And like, I want to be a really cool water dragon. I can swim well. So, you know, uh, it's gorgeous. So if you haven't seen it, you can get it on premier access Disney plus. It's totally worth the 30 bucks. You can watch it as many times as you want, Mm -hmm. or you can go to the theater. 
and see it there as well if you feel comfortable doing so. Yep. You've already done your whole review of Legend of Oh my god. Hey. Legend I have not put mine together yet, but total studio Ghibli vibes. Is that how I say it? Ghibli? Yes. <laughs> I can I always I'm always like, how do I say this word? Um <laughs> the animation just it, it's beautiful, but yeah, totally reminds me of that studio so much. Yes. Like the second I looked, I mean, just the the image on the site looks like it, but you watch it and you're just like, ah, oh. like it just, yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It's it's got the action of like Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm -hmm. Um, And Hay is probably the cutest flippin' protagonist like I have ever seen. Um, For sure. I need to know where to like order all the Hay merch because. Yes. Oh my gosh. I need a little. Oh, you should make one. You should make a Hay sticker. I should. Oh, I should make a little hay sticker. He's so cute. I mean, he's a little black uh, cat spirit with the these giant eyes. Oh, gosh. He's so cute. So it's Dorbs. coming to the United States in April. April 20th, it'll be available on digital, and then it'll be on Blu-ray and DVD in May. But if you're an animation fan, if you're an anime fan, we both highly recommend The Legend of Hay. It's great for the family. And like I said, it's just, oh gosh, he's so cute. <laughs> like, I have a picture of him. I'll have a picture of him in the show notes. So I dare you to be like, oh, he's not cute. You won't be able to, <laughs> right, trust yeah. me. It's just not possible. <laughs> it's literally not possible. Uh, the festival also had a lot of shorts. And I know that uh, Jana had a few favorites that she talked about on her site, yeah. which we'll link to. Yeah, yeah. They, I, one of the things they did this year, um, they have a whole new section of shorts called "Becoming Ourselves: Breaking the Binary," um, and yeah, so it's the first year that they did it, and it includes. There's a short called "Self Story," um, which was kind of the inspiration for putting this whole section together. Uh, it was there last year, and they, it, you know, did really well, and it was. It basically, they were like, yeah, let's, why don't we just do a whole section on it? And so I think that series, it's about an hour long and it included six different, yeah, I think six different films. Um, and it's all about gender binaries. It discusses how um, queer kids, you know, kind of shape their own identities and, you know, just discovering themselves. And it's just, it's it's beautiful. And it's, you know, first of all, it's just wonderful that they're, you know, being inclusive in the first place. But the fact that every one of these films is, you know, they're all from different countries. Some of them have subtitles. So, you know, and it just, you know, kind of reminds us that like gender identity issues transcend, you know, everything that's, you know, every culture, every race, every language, um, you know, one of the, one of my favorites in this was a short called The Name of the Sun. They actually did a Q&A with the director. Um, but this one was about a transgender boy. This is a live action one because some are animated and some are live action. And this one was a live action short about a transgender boy and his relationship with his father and his younger sister, you know, he's a teenager and, you know, he's distant 
and has a hard time connecting with people around him, you know, goes on vacation with his, his dad and his sister, and he just kind of, you know, is able to, you know, connect with them on a different level. Um, and that's, it was just a, it was a really impactful, emotional um, film. The, one of my other favorite ones uh, was called, and I won't say it correctly because it's a Hawaiian name and I will butcher it, but it's a Kappa Mao, actually shortlisted for an Oscar and it's an animated one. And it's all about the beauty of transgender in the community. And so this, I think the one that I, that touched, or the thing that touched me the most about this one, basically it's a legend of like these four ancestral stones. And at the end of the day, it's really just, it brings it back to the fact that they've believed in dual identities, dual birth for like since the beginning of time. And so they use these stones to kind of represent um, the beauty that is the transgender community. And not only that they should be respected and accepted, but that they've been here as long as humanity in general. Um, and it was just, it was a beautiful animated piece um, and just a really interesting way how other cultures, um, you know, look at gender identity. So. Yeah. That's what I really like about the New York International Children's Film Festival. They are specifically out there trying to present diversity um, and, uh, you know, showcasing different cultures and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I just, I really, so this was my first year attending virtually uh, this festival and I'm looking forward to next year. Uh, I will link to them in our show notes. It's nyicff.org, but not just critics can attend. You can attend as a, you know, a, just a fan of film. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for one low price, you get access to all these amazing films and Q&As and shorts. And it closed with a sneak peek at an upcoming movie, The Mitchells vs. The Machines, <gasps> yes. which is going to be coming to Netflix this year. Yes. And that looked so good. We saw some sneak peek footage, mm -hmm. uh, like clips that have never been shown before. And they talked a little bit about the story making process and, you know, the impetus for some of the characters. And it was such a fun Q&A. Yeah. So totally worth checking out if you're into watching, you know, different international films, um, getting some sneak peeks and behind the scenes. Totally check it out next year. And speaking of some films, Cherry's now out for everybody. If you have Apple TV, you heard us talk about that, what, a couple weeks ago we screened it. It's not a fun watch, but it's a great movie. Uh, so I would definitely check that out on Apple TV. Yeah, for and sure not fun, but a really <laughs> powerful movie. And yeah. <laughs> but if you're looking for a uplifting movie also on disney plus is own the room it's national it's a national geographic documentary about students student entrepreneurs from all over the world who go to china 
to compete in this international competition to get basically sponsored, get some sponsor money to seed their ideas, their new businesses that they want to start. And I just, it was infectious watching how excited they were and the positivity of, you know, even if they didn't make it, how they were going to use the experience for the best. So that's a good one, especially if you have older kids, like teens, who are kind of maybe have that entrepreneur like bug in their system or are heading off to college. It was good. I like that. I was super inspired. I was like, whoa, I need to get off my butt. (laughs) Do some stuff. Super inspiring to see them not just be successful in the face of adversity, but the fact that they were just kind of like, oh, it doesn't matter if I don't win. Like it gave me a chance to show my project to more people and potentially get, you know, more support. It's in front of more eyes and just, you know, their whole goal is doing more for the, you know, making their communities better, making the world Mm -hmm. a better place. Um, and they were just happy to be able to participate and get that, you know, get that far, even if they didn't win. It was, it was great. So if you like kind of documentaries, this is a good one. I think the teens will like it if they feel inspired, you know, I was inspired. I liked it a lot. I think the other thing that is interesting about that type of documentary is because they pick people from a different country or different region of the world you also and they let them tell their sort of backstory and you learn about them you also get to see what things are like in other parts of the world right so like if you've never traveled internationally or you haven't had a reason to be exposed to some of those things it's kind of interesting to see you know like what does it look like in Nairobi what you know what do people use for transportation in Nepal like there were just some aspects of that that mm-hmm. I think are also nice to just, especially if young kids or teens are watching it, there's an aspect of like some sort of international awareness that can be imparted just through the fact that they're watching it. Yeah, I agree. I learned a lot and you'll be like me. I'm sure I was cheering for all of them. I'm like, but I want Mm -hmm. all of them to win. (laughs) I don't, I was like, can't you just split the prize? (laughs) I know. I was like, they all have to win. I declare it. <laughs> this is the yeah. way. I'm like, what? It's <laughs> like, no. But yeah. unfortunately, there can only be one winner and we're not telling you who it was. <laughs> no, we're not. But they all, they all deserved it is what I'm going to say. They all won. They all won. <laughs> they all won in our hearts. <laughs> yeah. All right. Are we going to? I'm excited. We can't. <laughs> We can't. Let's get into it. <laughs> Woo! So we can't share a ton yet, but <laughs> from what we've seen. Actually, I don't think we can share anything, can we? <laughs> other than uh, it's cool. Other than it's cool. <laughs> uh, but from what we've seen, Falcon <laughs> and the Winter Soldier is going to blow your mind. Blow your mind. I mean, if. For anybody who complained about WandaVision starting too slow, get ready yeah. for it. We ain't starting <laughs> yeah, slow this, this time. I'm slow. <laughs> we are not in the 50s black and white sitcom anymore. We are full on Marvel. Marvel mode. It's action packed. Mm-hmm. Sam and Bucky's relationship is just absolutely golden. 
Uh, oh my god, I'm in love. <laughs> I I mean, I've been here for that buddy cop vibe for a while, and it's just it's so good. I mean, get ready for some emotions too. Marvel's not gonna like let off on the emotion. I mean, I don't foresee anybody ugly crying like we did through WandaVision's grieving, <laughs> no. but no. <laughs> definitely some emotions there. Uh, it's really all we can say. Our full reviews will be dropping later this week when the embargo lifts. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, on your left. Oh, it's mm-hmm. so good. <laughs> I can't. On your left. On your left. They're making it look good. So it's gonna... That's all we can say. Cannot wait. I'm like chomping at the bit. I would love to like, I can't wait to talk about this next week, basically. I know. Okay? I'm when like we... jumping in my chair. I'm all like, oh, I can't really say anything, When we but... can, I cannot wait to actually like talk about it. All right. Yeah. Sorry for because... that tease, but you just got to know. You're going to love it. So good. So good. <laughs> can't wait. I've almost forgotten about WandaVision. What was WandaVision again? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, it's possible, maybe, after Friday. It's interesting to me, though, that this is only, what, six episodes long? Yes. And the first episode is 48 minutes. Which is long compared to WandaVision. Mm-hmm. I hope they're all at least that long. Be curious to see. Or longer. Or longer. Longer would be great. <laughs> I'll take longer. Yeah. Yep. Cannot wait. Well, friends, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Geek Girls Universe podcast. Join us next week as we share all the breaking and exciting fandom news and a full discussion about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You know, because. <laughs> that's basically what we're only going to talk about. <laughs> As always, if you see anything you want to share with us, tag us on Twitter at Whiskey and Sunshine and that Ashley Aaron. Until next time, geeks. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for more geeky goodness. <laughs>